All right. Now then, uh, if any of you uh, aren't familiar with Pastor Greg, uh, Pastor Greg was a staff pastor and elder here at Church on the Rock for, I don't know how long, 20 plus years, I'm sure. Um, but uh, throughout that time, he was at his core, he's always been an evangelist. And uh, even then, he traveled a lot. Uh, he was very instrumental in all the ministry we have going on in Guatemala and the buildings and all of that. Uh, and so now he just pretty much that's what he does. He just travels and tells people about Jesus and God shows up and does cool things. And so, you know, he was in the neighborhood. So I want to turn it over to Pastor Greg. Greg, oh. come have fun. Whoa. Okay. Did anybody else besides me see the picture of Pastor Tony? Stretched out in his recliner, in his in his running jogging pants, stretchy pants. I, I, okay, okay. And what is this guest speaker? I spent 21 years here. I went out and bought these sconces before one of our Christmas programs. Okay. Oh, okay. For those that are visiting. I am not the regular guy. I am the irregular guy. And <laughs> you'll understand that really quick. Um, it's interesting that Pastor Aaron talked about the blood in the way that he did this morning with the heart. Because for those that know me, that have been following along with me, knows I'm struggling with heart issues. Uh, my heart has been in AFib since August 28th. I'm on the fast track where I live for my third heart surgery, December 11th. Yeah. So what happens when the heart is in AFib? It doesn't beat right. It doesn't pump the blood. It doesn't get the nutrients. It doesn't push the oxygen. So today, you're gonna see a guy whose brain's a little foggy who, well, it doesn't really change the way I am, I guess. Uh, who may think about where I'm going, so I've got some good notes to keep me on track. And I should also mention, typically, as an Assemblies of God pastor, that's where my papers are, our services, our sermons typically go an hour and a half. That's the way it used to be here. Now that I'm a guest speaker, it's been condensed down to Pastor Tony time, <laughs> which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, I, gosh. I'm going to bring this to a place, I hope, where everybody can see it. Can everybody see that all right? The last time I was here, I talked about God's presence and how God's presence is in our lives, the lives of believers. Now, our lives are made up of a lot of different pieces, a lot of different parts. And if you notice, all the parts fit together. And you can put your parts together the way you want. There's 
top parts and, and, and corner parts and straight parts, weird parts, long parts. You can put your life together any way you want. You can put your pieces together. Let's see if I can uh, rearrange this a little bit here. These guys here, move this guy over here, I'll put this guy here, this guy here, here. So the parts still go together under the presence of the Lord any way you want. Now, the problem is, as Christians, once our parts fall into place, and we think we've got it all together, the enemy wants to upset the apple cart. The enemy wants to come in, and he wants to, to mess things up a little bit. He'll introduce a problem, whether it's a financial thing or a family thing or a spiritual thing. Whatever it is, the enemy wants to devour, destroy, and I say distract. So what do we do? Well... Under the presence of the Lord, you let God break and remake. Or as we're going to talk about today, God is going to revive and restore so that we're ready to live in his presence. So I would move this guy over here, this guy up here. Let's see, this guy's going to come over here. Presence, yeah. The doctors tell me, boy, when are you going to stop doing what you're doing? I was on the road 40 weeks this year, and a third of that time was with, with the AFib. Um, in the last five weeks, five weeks, five weeks, my sons had to drive me around because they took me in and stopped and restarted my heart. Three times. That uh, cardioversion. Boy, I felt like I got kicked by a mule. But God's word had to go forth. And when it went forth, the anointing comes and it's like, whoa, this is the way it should be. See, to me, the presence of God is even greater than the oxygen that flows through my body. Amen. It's greater than the breath we take. Because if we have that presence, we've got everything we need. Some people say that my heart problems are big deals, big problems. Maybe you've got some things that are going on that are big problems. All the way through Scripture, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's presence and glory, would remake, would revive, to restore so that we could live in his presence. Uh, let's see if I pull this this way, move this here. No, I'm going to put this one there. You're seeing the result of an old man who needs paper. 
under the presence of God. The last time I was here, I got yelled at. And believe it or not, I was here October 31st, two years ago. It was a strange day to be here because in the past, one of our outreaches from the church was we always did a thing called Kingdom Jam, where we would rent the auditorium and we would do a big uh, Halloween party where we would share the gospel through puppets and illusions and all kinds of stuff. And so to come back on that day was kind of fun to, to speak at a, another outreach in Lake Wales later that night. But that wasn't when I was here last. But people yelled at me and said, Pastor Greg, you didn't tell us exactly what it is you're all about. You just, you just blew in, blew up, and blew out. So for those folks, I'm going to take a minute and uh, click. Thanks, Lil. Lily or Lil? Can I call you Lil? Okay, cool. That was my name when I was a little girl. <laughs> Although I can't use that joke too much anymore. 30 years of good comedy down the drain. <laughs> when it was time for me to leave Church on the Rock, the church was going through some struggles. We couldn't maintain three pastors with, with what was happening at the time. And so because I was already traveling and, and uh, because I was doing stuff outside the church anyway, I was like the logical candidate to, to go. Um, last hired, first fight. Oh, wait a minute. Um, prior to that, just a few months, I got together with Mr. Ron Gallagher, and we put together a 501c corporation called Rising Star Ministry. And it was put together to advance the gospel in the kingdom. I have a five-member board of directors. I'm under the covering of Riverside Assembly of God uh, in Sebastian. I'm an Assemblies of God papered pastor in order to keep my papers I have to be under an assembly's church. And so my five-member board is made up of Reverend Randy Christensen, uh, Reverend Joe McDonald, Mobile, Alabama, and two-fifths of my board is here right now, retired Sergeant Steve Thomas from the Melbourne Police Department, and uh, surfer extraordinaire, historian, and all-around great guy, also Bill Yerkes, and... Uh, Stand up real quick, guys, and wave at you. We pray together, and they try to keep me in line and all that other stuff. Um, and I thank Bill and his lovely wife, Nola, for tolerating me every time I come to Florida. But Rising Star uses creative ways to teach and reach. And so we could use illusions or storytelling, clowning, circus skills, puppetry, uh, all kinds of stuff. We do programs that are geared towards the unsaved. And uh, a lot of times it's youth, family, and I'm in prison about once a month. So that's kind of what Rising Star is. Oh, yeah, I should explain. Uh, I work with several different prison ministries. The one that I really like working with is called Forgiven. And they reunite inmate parents with their children. They bring their children from all over the country to whatever facility we're doing to have a weekend where the kids can, because the kids, are the, are, they're the forgotten, uh, you know, deal in all this. So I deal with the inmates, 
present the gospel to them. I do the same thing with the caretakers. And then I do a big gospel program for everybody. Okay? Um, click. So if you want more information about Rising Star, take your cameras and your phone. You can click on that right now. It'll take you to my Facebook page. That'll give you all the information. Uh, I write a semi-regular newsletter. That's whenever I can. If you want to see pictures, find out what we're doing, all that other kind of stuff, okay? Everybody got it? Good deal. I hate doing that stuff. You ready for the word? So for those of you folks that asked me about this, I did it, okay? The last time I was here, I was speaking from the book of Exodus, Exodus 33, 14, and I found out the sermon's still online. You can go and you can check it out for yourself. It was talking about the presence of God. And, and uh, oh, click. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I focused on the rest part. You may want to go back to find out why. But it's important that we understand about presence and the rest. So, click. Today... In Exodus uh, 40, verse 34, I'm going to start with this just to kind of set the deal. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the church, the church. That's oh, the church. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Folks, the glory of the Lord is already filling the tabernacle today. It started during worship rehearsal. And it continued through prayer. And then through worship on stage. As I stood in back in my usual spot, I thought, Lord, thank you that they're doing this because it makes my job so much easier. The presence is already here. Plus, think about this. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you carry that presence with you. And we get that all mixed up together. So, the glory of God, as we talk about the glory throughout this, is the visible manifestation of his attributes and his character. Those are the things that we can carry with us as well as we go. The very glory of God, the presence of God. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about revival today, so get ready for that now. Click. Oh, cool. In other churches I go to, they have a video monitor up front here. Sometimes they put it on the back wall, too. Because let me tell you, at 63 years old, this is not my best view. Can you imagine... Rolling out of bed, flipping over the tent flap, looking up and seeing the pillar of fire or the cloud of smoke and saying, it's going to be a good day. God is still with us. Amen. When you get up in the morning and you open up your tent flap, what's the first thing you do? Oh, it's going to be a good day. God is still with us. Yeah. Oh, I got to get this cup of coffee first, man. <laughs> Oh, I got to start the day with a pillar 
Start the day with the cloud, knowing God's there. The presence is with you. Um, the last time I was in, in, in Florida, uh, I heard a worship song that I hadn't heard before, relatively new, I thought it was cool. It was called, fill the room, click. Oh, cool. And over the years, click, we've heard lots of songs about filling the room, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tony, remember a song called Pour It Out? Or uh, Come Flood This Place and Fill the Atmosphere. Like a mighty rushing wind, or burn like a fire, breathe on us, or FTR, fill the room. You see, the Holy Spirit is an important part of what it is that we carry with us. Now, the reason that Pastor Aaron forgot to dismiss the kids is because when I was here, my main job was the kids. And so whenever Pastor Greg was in the main sanctuary, usually the kids were too. So if it's okay, I'm going to teach you a kid's lesson. Even if it's not okay, I'm going to teach you a kid's lesson. Boys and girls, God is made up of three parts. Now, how many people have asked Jesus to come and live in your heart? Show of hands. Awesome. Hands down. You know what? Jesus is not really living in your heart. Because if we understand Scripture, God the Father is where? In heaven. And Jesus the Son is where? At the right hand of the Father. Well, how can God be there, Jesus be there, if Jesus is living in our hearts? Jesus said, I have to go away because i got to sit next to Dad. But I'm going to send one greater than I so you can do what I did and even greater things. You see, boys and girls, God the Father, the provider, the protector, is just one part of the three parts of God. Jesus the Son, the loving part, the part that sacrificed his life for you and for me. And then there's the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power. It's described as the dunamis power, the dynamite power of God. It's the same word that's used in Genesis where it says, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep. God spoke it. The Holy Spirit did it. The creative power of God lives in you and lives in me. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three parts of God. The three in one. That's what it's about. It's the Holy Spirit part of God. Still all God. Still all Jesus. But the creative power, the, the dunamis power living inside you. Does that help make sense? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. So, we're a leaky vessel. The Bible says that. And it says that we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about your car. We're kind of like your car. You got to put oil in it all the time. If your car leaks oil, you got to keep putting oil in it. Our bodies are the same way. 
as we use the car, the oil gets burned away or the oil leaks out. We keep adding. Well, that's what God says for us. We have to continually be in God's presence to fill that presence, to, to fill ourselves with that Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Now, I want to be so filled with God's presence that when I walk into a room, everybody in the room that isn't right with God feels uncomfortable. That's me. I'm a muckraker. Now, I'm not wanting to condemn anybody. I don't want to convict anybody. But I want them to say, what is it about you that's different? What is it that you have that I don't? See, revival comes when we carry that presence of God with you. And there's a ripple effect, like throwing the stone in the water that, that ripples away as we carry that presence with us. As we experience our own revival, we carry that everywhere we go, and it impacts those around us. If you walk into a room and you don't change the atmosphere of the room, change the atmosphere, then you better get saved. You got to carry that presence with you. Change your disposition. You remember the song, This Little Light of Mine? That's what it's about. Each one of us carrying our own light. And we are the light in the darkness and the hope and inspiration for others. Click. Oh. Yeah, I want to be so filled. Click. Lily, if I'm uh, off, you just... I'm an old guy. <laughs> I give you permission as a young person. Uh, from Acts 5, 15 and 16, as a result, people brought the sick. See, see what I mean? It's, okay. <laughs> see, I don't have a butt anymore. <laughs> At the age of 50, it dropped off, and jeans don't stay up without suspenders. <laughs> And my Revlon changed from 60 to 50, so. As a result, the people brought the sick into the streets. They laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. The story of Peter and Peter's shadow is one of my favorites. I, I, I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that it leaks out. I want to be so filled with the presence of God that as I walk by somebody, there's a change, a change in the atmosphere. But for so long, Christians are, are missing the mark in that. What was it in, go oh, click. What was it in the shadow of Peter that healed the people? We know. It was the presence of God. Click. But because of the presence of God, crowds gathered, bringing their sick, bringing their tormented. How many of those folks do you think were saved? Hmm? None at that time. 
They didn't know what was going on, but they knew something was going on. They knew something was happening. Click. I call it shadow evangelism. Remember that the purpose of the manifest presence of God is to set the captives free. That's why we do what we do, to set the captives free. Beep. It's really presence evangelism. And it's the same purpose. The manifest presence is to set the captive free. Get that in your heads and in your hearts. I can't tell you the number of times that Pastor Tony and I would be sitting in the little office over there and we would be talking about stuff. I'd be telling him about, well, I'm putting this together. We think we'll get this many people and we'll try and get it. And Pastor Tony would say, you know, if we just get the presence, we wouldn't have to go through all this stuff. I said, yeah, I know it. But we're not there yet. But we'll get there someday. Click. When we have his presence, we won't have to worry about telling demons to run. We won't have to scream scriptures against princes or practices pulling down demonic strongholds. When we get the presence, the purpose will be fulfilled automatically when he shows up. Well, Luke 4.18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, for the recovery of their sight, the healing part for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Okay, I'm a marketplace missionary. I speak in churches from time to time. I wish I spoke in churches more because then the paycheck would be a regular thing, but it's not. God doesn't have me doing that. He has me out. Do you know I traveled all through COVID? Because there were churches that were still doing their food giveaways and stuff. And they say, Pastor Greg, we still have to feed our, our, our single moms. Is there any way that you could bring that trailer you have that folds down and do a program for everybody while we pass the food out? I said, sure. So I loaded up a, 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 a illusion show in there and gospel magic and stuff, and I put a bunch of hula hoops, and I would drive around the country. You didn't see it on my newsletter, though. You know why? Because we had to do it on the sly. It was during COVID. I would get there, and we'd throw the hula hoops out six feet apart. And I would do my program, and they'd pass out their food, and I'd go to the next spot. If it wasn't for the people that support the ministry regularly, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But i got to tell you, I had some of the greatest numbers of salvations and some of the greatest things happened during that time. Yeah. So, as I talk about revival, the term revival doesn't appear in the King James. This is what it says. God, revive your people to work. Uh, revive your people to restore your people. they got to be revived. They have to be restored. And when they're revived through the presence of God, the Holy Spirit restores them. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our healer, our comforter. Revival can begin, but it's through prayer. So if you ever hear Pastor Tony say, you know, we probably should get together and pray. Listen to the man. 
Because when we get the presence, everything else. In, uh, in Psalms 85, 6, it talked about prayer, reviving, and restoring. Habakkuk 3, 2, reviving and restoring. All about the work of the Holy Spirit. In Hosea, it said after two days, he'll revive us. And on the third day, he'll restore us so that we can live in his presence. Well, what did they do for the first two days? Watching football. How about the disciples in the upper room? What were they doing? Playing PS2 or 3 or what is it now? PS5? You can see where I'm at with that. No. They were praying. They were praying for the presence of God to revive them and to restore them, to, to put them in a place where they could live with the presence of God. They prayed and they waited. King Hezekiah's revival in, in Second Chronicles was the same thing. The revival at Pentecost was the same thing. They prayed and they waited. Folks, sometimes we have to wait a while. But I want that presence of God. It's the presence of God that breaks all yokes. It's the, the presence of God that gives me the power to go on. The doctors will say, when are you going to stop? That's when God tells me to. And he hasn't yet. But there's some days that I wish he would, and I just lay and I pray. But as I lay and I pray, I get revived, and it's time to go back out again. So, although I have to tell you, on a side, the last couple weeks when my boys drove me around the country and got to see what dad does, they were there to drive, they were there to set up, they were there to tear down, they were there to listen, they were there to watch and, and be with me as we prayed for folks and stuff. How many parents get to do that with their kids? I was like, dude, God, thank you for this. My youngest and my middle son. My middle son was one that I struggled with for a while, and now he's doing wonderfully well. Because when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Gosh, I stood on that one. God's presence on I was in the grocery store in somewhere. <laughs> Forgive me. I had just had a wonderful service, Sunday morning service. And I didn't go out afterwards for lunch and stuff because I had to get out to another place. Stopped at the grocery store to get some rabbit food because I got to lose, you know, a bunch of weight because I'm a fat guy too. Although, I was on the BBC diet for a while. Are you familiar with that one? That's buy bigger clothes. <laughs> Don't go there. If you saw my Facebook post yesterday, I said, come and check out my new blue jeans, my new black jeans. If you saw that, that's because they're two sizes smaller than what I was wearing. Hey, Thank you, Lord. I'm hungry. So I'm at the register paying for my rabbit food. And this lady behind me, I hear her starts to sniffle. And, 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 and she starts crying. 
And the lady at the registrarian hands her a tissue, and I'm thinking, oh, man, Lord, where's my mask? What do you need on? But she said, excuse me, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, what is it about you that makes me feel like this? I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute, this lady's crying behind me. I said, when we get done here, can we take a minute? We'll sit down over there. So I paid for my groceries. I paid for her groceries. Amen. And we went and we sat down. Amen. And I got to share the Lord with her. And I got to pray with her. And I got to tell her about the presence of God. I was leaking. I was leaking. I was, I was telling, telling Bill about that. And, and I'm crying. It's just, I'm le- you know. Because it's what we all should be doing every single day. Every single day. Are you ready to start the sermon? (laughs) Back in the kids club, I would always try to get adults and stuff to help. And one of my my, my best, biggest helpers, of course, was Mr. Dean. And I would would start to say, you guys ready for our sermon? Mr. Dean, would you, uh, oh, click. Mr. Dean, would you read today's scripture for us? The voice of God. Rise and shine. That's like the kids' song we sang. Oh, rise and shine. Give God the glory, glory. This is where it's from, yeah? But I want you to understand this first because, folks, this is where revival is headed. I truly believe this is where we're at. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say click, but thank you for keeping up, Lil. (laughs) See, I'm an old guy, Lil, and you can't always do what I say. Just go back one if you would. (laughs) like I said I'm not the regular guy can you back up one slide a little oh cool arise and shine for thy light has come your light has come thy light is your light and the glory of the Lord is upon you the presence of God is with you For behold, the darkness will cover the earth. Really? You think it's going to get bad out there? You think it's going to to be nasty out there? I was at a sandwich shop. I had a shirt on that said I stand with Israel, with an Israeli flag, an American flag. And as I'm eating my sandwich, a bunch of Palestinian protesters are banging on the window, giving me the finger. That's the country I live in. For behold, the darkness will cover the earth and the gross darkness will cover the people. Folks, gross darkness will cover the people. Take a look around as as we do. But the Lord will rise upon thee and the glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles will come to the light. Into the brightness of that glory. 
The people that are out there, the Gentiles that don't know God yet, are under gross darkness. Gross darkness is, 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 uh, is just the nasty stuff. It's the stuff that when you turn on your TV, you go, whoa, when did that happen? Click, click. Oh, look, look at you. Yeah, thank you, Lil. She skipped right over Arky Arky. So in this verse, in this verse from Isaiah, there's two revivals, two movements that are mentioned. The first one is the one that we all probably went through, where we were in darkness, we got saved, and then we got the light, we got the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that got saved didn't have trouble getting there, because there was stuff that we had to go through, drugs or alcohol or relationships, whatever it was. But folks, as bad as it was, I don't believe it was gross darkness. I think we were in darkness. So the darkness was there and then the light. We got saved. But the second part, the second part is the part I want to talk a little bit about. Click. The gross darkness and the great glory. God is going to turn up the light. He's going to intensify the light, and he's going to give us his glory. And so whatever the devil's doing, remember that God is going to give you something greater, more powerful, to live in you as you live in him that's going to impact everywhere you go. Are you with me? Okay. As we take a look at the gross darkness in this, all you got to do is look around and scratch your head and go, man, I don't relate to this stuff that's going on. But I believe that this is just the beginning. Click. America is the most educated, wealthiest, most mobile, most affluent nation in the world, in, in my opinion. But people are waking up today, and we don't know if they're going to be a man, a woman, or a cat. What's up with that? Think about that with all the, the technology, with all the influence given to us. We are first world problem people. When, when I would take a team to Guatemala, I would complain if the widowmaker didn't make enough drops of hot water for me. What do we complain about here? I didn't get enough fries in my big meal, my happy meal, whatever it is. AC goes out. Power's off for a day. We've begun this gross darkness, this gross dark era. And like I said, I think we're just starting it off. But as we look around at the, at the woke culture, the, the trans stuff, the, the BLM stuff, the, the alphabet people, the Palestinian stuff, just remember, it's not the end, it's the beginning. And where your attitudes are right now if your attitude is this poor right now, what's it going to be like when it gets worse? What are you going to be like when it gets worse? Um, towards the end of my tenure here, the last 10 years, I would volunteer as a rolling reader over at Riviera, thinking it was a school that was right there. Maybe we'll get some of the kids. Maybe we'll get some of the parents to come here. And so I volunteered as a reader. And then they needed a sub. And so I would substitute a day or two a week in my, uh, in my days off. And uh, 
towards the end of my time there, this one child, sixth grade, came up to me and said, you've got to take me to the bathroom. I said, why? Everybody else just, well, because you have to stand by the door. And then I looked and it dawned on me that this was a young man that I knew from kindergarten to fifth grade, but in sixth grade, he decided that he didn't want to be a guy anymore. And I had to walk him to the boys' bathroom and make sure there was nobody in there so he could go in there, but I had to leave the rest of the class to do that. I knew at that moment that things were really weird. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Living in Asheville is like living in a bowl of granola. What ain't fruits and nuts is flakes. <laughs> I was watching the news, and I heard this story of a school in Florida. Well, when I hear Florida, my ears perk up. Well, at Riviera Elementary, they had a situation where some parents were complaining because the school administrator had put a kitty litter box in the girls' bathroom for the little girls that were identifying as cats. That, that's right over there, folks. You can throw a rock from here and hit it. I cried when I heard that because I poured my life into that school. But all it took was one administrator to change the way things were done. Click. Scott Wesley Brown, you may remember him, wrote a song called uh, This Little Child. And in that song, there was a verse that has gripped me for the 25 years since I heard it. And fools who march to win the right, to justify their sin. Oh, every nation that has fallen, has fallen from within. Yet in the midst of this darkness, this gross darkness, there's a hope. There's a light that burns. This little child, he is the king of kings. I don't believe God makes mistakes. I don't believe God gets it wrong. And all of us are created in God's image. See, I woke up a man today, and I liked it. I thought it was all right. Click. You were born the right person, in the right body, to the right family, in the right time, at the right place, so you are all right. Click. There's a statement that we've talked about. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. I've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it. Let's explain it so that we get it. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We see everything. We hear everything. We're a part of it, but you respond differently. That's what the statement means. Even though we're of the world and in the world, we respond differently to the things around us. It doesn't mean we hide. It doesn't mean that we don't go in the marketplace. It doesn't mean we become goofy preppers that shut ourselves off from the world. 
Because how would they receive the presence of God without us? And where darkness abounds, so much greater is the light. Click. If you were to open up your Bibles to Ezra 9.9, you don't have to. It's a little book in the New Testament. Uh, by the way, when you get to heaven, tell all of the prophets, even the ones that have the little bitty books, tell them that you read their books, okay? <laughs> we are slaves. Our God has not forsaken us in bondage. He's extended loving kindness to us in the sight of the kings of Persia. Wicked kings. He's granted us new life, a reviving to rebuild the house of God and to restore its ruins. And he's given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. So in Ezra, the people aren't removed out of bondage. They were blessed. They were granted mercy by God under the wicked kings. You were blessed under the wicked king, Uncle Joe. You were blessed under the wicked king Putin and Z and whatever name that you want to put in there, you will be blessed. The verse to me talks about where we're at in this revival because I'd love to be delivered out of stuff in a revival. But this says we're not going to be delivered out of it. We're going to be there in the midst of it and so much better to be the light. I like being delivered out of stuff, but look at what we get from this. Click. We get a reviving. We get to set up the house of our God. We get to repair the desolations, the, the nasty stuff that's been destroyed that was godly before. And then we can uh, give us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. We're going to be building new churches. We're going to be enlarging the churches that we've got because the people that are going to be coming in need a place. But the people that are coming in, remember now, click. The people will come to the light and to the glory. The cat people are coming. <laughs> that will put out kitty litter, right? The weird ones, the the tattooed ones, the tattooing is weird because everybody in my family has one. I was going to get a tattoo tomorrow. That heart thing that was at the hospital, you know that? I've carried it with me. I was going to have it tattooed on tomorrow. Doctor said not to. <laughs> Folks, the gross are coming. Because they're coming to the light. They're coming to the glory. They're noticing you. They notice what you're doing. They see you when you read your Bible. They see you when you pray at dinner or in the restaurant. They see you when you bring a shopping cart back. They're looking for, for something because they're disgusted by their grossness and they want to get out of it. Because the light is shining on them as well. And they're looking to know where to go. That's why it says... These places are going to be rebuilt. The desolation is going to be taken care of. And the people will come to the light. But are you ready? Are most Christians ready? I spend a lot of time in prison talking to inmates. 
some of the meanest, nastiest guys you'll ever meet. I hang out with people in the streets as I'm doing outreach stuff. You know, they, they, they all have their own opinions and their own beliefs of what God is to them. But if they come here, are you going to be ready to love on them, to share with them? Because that's where revival is going to come from. It starts with us. We light our lights. We get filled with the presence of God. We change the atmosphere wherever we go. And that draws the others to the light. Gross darkness, folks. I'm sorry. God said it, not me. When they come, they're not coming saved. They're not coming cleaned up. Just like all the people that saw Peter that wanted to be healed. Now imagine what happens after Peter walks by and those folks are healed. They're going to want to know more. They're going to want to know what happened. They're going to want to make a deeper, deeper commitment. So the warning comes. There's going to be problems. Any revival, there's going to be God. And there's going to be the enemy trying to mess it up. Are you going to be ready when they come? See, I'm disgusted by cat people and that we allow that stuff. But most of that stuff is there because Christians abdicated their responsibilities. We stepped away when we should have stepped in. We, we, we came to a place where we, we covered and protected our own, which, you know, at the time we thought was all right, but it wasn't fully scriptural. And I get it. You know, I was in the church 20 years. I understand. I know how churches work. I know how church families work. I know the dynamic of churches and stuff. But you've got to remember, I was not a PK. My kids, they're all PKs. Preacher's kids. I was a BTK. I was a bartender's kid. And that was my frame of reference. And to me... My first pastor was the bartender who gave a drink and solid advice and accepted me where I was. But we've got a different answer. We've got an answer with light and with the presence of God. I hope I've stirred you a bit. Amen. I hope I've made you a little bit angry. Not too much, because I understand Pastor Tony's going to take up an offering. 